Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. In this day and age with uh, the cost of living, costs that we've got to deal with, uh, fuel costs, other costs, other responsibilities that we have to contend with, everyone's looking to save a penny here and there. So what we're looking at now is uh, how effective is something called carpooling and to what extent would it affect your insurance? Joining us on the line once again, Eugene Herbert, Chief Executive of Master Drive. Uh, Eugene, great to have you on board. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Welcome. Hello, Michael. How are you doing? Oh, great. Great, Eugene. Great to have you on board once again. And yes, as I've mentioned. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're dealing with uh, this issue of carpooling. Anybody's just trying to you know, be a bit thrifty now and uh, looking to save where we can. So how prevalent is it in South Africa now? How, how far has, has, has carpooling gone? What have been your observations on the ground? Um, you know what I'd like to just reflect on for a moment? Recall a couple of years back we had sure. the one lane on the N1 that was uh, reserved for more than one occupant uh, motor vehicle. And yes. you recall what happened, the number of individuals who were single occupant vehicles that were caught in that lane. So, you know, even though uh, the authorities have tried to, to incentivize people to double up, we kind of see that it's not as successful as what it could mm-hmm. be. But right. that said, yes. um, I think uh, given the fact that uh, fuel was probably about five rand or eight rand a liter cheaper at the time, uh, necessity has driven many people to look at carpooling. Right. And the concept is absolutely fantastic. Can I just share with you some of the challenges? Please Firstly, do. From a personal point, personal point of view. I don't know how you feel about other people's driving standards, but <laughs> I'm not too keen to let somebody drive me around. <laughs> it, it's funny you, very, funny very you should personal. say that, Eugene. I was going to come to that. Yes, I guess it's going to be a very, very personal choice. But indeed, yes, yeah. I am very wary and beady-eyed when it comes to other drivers. Yeah. But anyway, sorry to interrupt you there. Go ahead. But <laughs> not a problem. So what we look at then is let's assume the average motorist uh, who is maybe not as pedantic and as fastidious mm. as you and I, will be quite happy to reduce their monthly uh, transport costs. Right. And in fact, there's several ways of doing it. And in some instances, it may not impact on your insurance. So let's just have a look at those. If you decide um, to drive with me and maybe one or two others, and I'm not charging you, you are essentially an occupant in the vehicle. And therefore, you are saving money, but you're not, uh, I'm not making any money out of it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So this week we use my car, next week use your car, and so we go around. And in principle, there's absolutely nothing that can be done about it. However, mm-hmm. if we get to the point where now I agree because I, I don't want somebody else to drive me, I say we will use my motor car and I now lift you and two other buddies and I charge you 250 bucks a month or something. Right. Essentially, I'm starting to operate a business. Yes. And therefore, our insurer mm-hmm. may look at it if there's an incident, you call it crash, uh, accident, right. whatever you want to refer to it as, and there's now some damage. And you fill in the report form that says, I was traveling to work, etc. And were there any other occupants? And yes, I declare that there were three, and I haven't filled in one, a form for a long time, so please, if I'm misquoting, forgive me. But somewhere along the line, it says, what is the purpose of the trip? Now, I was lifting two colleagues to work. Oh, so the assessor comes back and he says, was there a charge, Eugene? Yes, I was. He just to cover my fuel costs. Oh, well, it could be that the insurer says now, please, that's no longer private use. That's for business use. So on the basis of that, Mm -hmm. we're repudiating your claim. Now, that's the last thing we want to do. So firstly, if anybody is considering carpooling of any nature whatsoever, um, and many people go through a broker, and that's probably the easiest way. Right. um, Speak to your broker and say, 
I'm doing this. What are the implications? It's not to say that they're going to say, no, you can't. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely fine. Right. So it's just sure got to be, if I can come in there, it's just got to be very definitive. It's got to be precise. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, one of the chaps in the company, instead of having a company car, we're paying him a car allowance mm-hmm. and he's now going to use his vehicle to commute to certain things. I said to him, please just go ahead, check with your insurer if that's okay. Uh, they said yes, and there will be a premium of 35 rand. So you'll notice mm. there is a premium mm. difference, but in this instance, it's negligible. And the convenience of having uh, saved probably a thousand or two thousand rand a month in fuel is certainly not something to be seized at. I just want to make reference to. A, I was listening to on a radio station the other day, and it was talking about people who uh, were wanting to effectively transport their their, their fellow students or something along those lines mm. to, to varsity. Mm. So now right. if you're driving a minibus or something like that, please be conscious of the fact that if there's a taxi there, and I'm not condemning them because I really don't know all the politics, but if they look at it and they see you transporting those people, you're picking them up at a regular point and yeah. you're driving to work, mm-hmm. you could open yourself up to uh, some adverse reactions, putting it mildly, from the taxi industry, right. and I remember the, the the participant, the phone, the person who called in was saying that they were, had good intentions, but now their whole plan is kind of jeopardised. So there's many factors. Some of them could be cultural, some of them could be business, and then of course, if we have a, a view like mine, I. I, I feel in control when I'm behind the steering wheel, so I don't want to release it to anybody else. <laughs> Eugene, I'm going to ask a small favor of you. If you don't mind staying on the line, um, we are approaching the half an hour mark. Um, sure, we no just problem. want to get a quick uh, news update from Rumbi, and we'll come back to you and just continue to look into this matter a bit further, if that's okay with you. No uh, joining me on the line, Eugene Herbert, talking to us about carpooling. Eugene is uh, the chief executive of Master Drive. He'll be joining us, uh, well, be coming back to us in just a minute or so. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Thanks, Rumbi. Rumbi will be bringing us a detailed uh, news update at the top of the hour. For now, welcome to the Afternoon Overdrive if you've just joined us on 11.9 Chi FM. I'm Michael McKenna. Joining us on the line is Eugene Herbert, Chief Executive of Master Drive. And if you had, uh, if you joined us uh, earlier on, we were chatting about this issue of carpooling and the, uh, Nitty gritties as to what you really need to know regarding uh, carpooling and what the situation is is like. Is it what we have to contend with right now in the country? Eugene, thank you for staying on the line with us. So, okay, you you've cautioned people about uh, possible confrontation uh, in doing carpooling and just being mindful and wary of taxi um, taxi reaction to this uh, type of activity going on. And um, if we can just uh, expand on that. So that's one aspect that one's got to be wary of. If we look at the legalities also, so we've spoken of insurance. If we look at the legalities of conducting such activities, um, obviously in a vehicle, you've got people's lives in your hands, correct? So uh, what, from a legal perspective, what does one need to be mindful of then, conducting this kind of activity uh, on, a, on a regular basis where you know you're going to be constantly transporting people who are paying? Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, what do you have? What do you? What does one need to be mindful of besides insurance as to what legalities okay. just to safeguard yourself in case of any mishap? Okay. Michael, I'm glad you raised that because the moment we move into the business sphere, yes, um, the legislation says that. If I carry uh, any passengers and or goods for reward, I need a public driving permit. Okay. So if we were conducting it as a business, we must now realize 
that if we are pulled over by law enforcement and they ask for our PRDP and we now declare that it's a business that we do in a mini business, technically we could run into problems. I right. don't know of anywhere where that has happened. But, you know, prevention uh, is, wrong, prevention better, than is cure. better than a pound of cure. Indeed. So we, we strongly advocate before you decide to go and embark on this journey where you think you're going to save yourself massive amounts of money, consult with the, with the experts, look up the mm-hmm. legislation. I think it's pretty clear. And therefore, we would not be infringing the law. And, uh, you know, irrespective of whether or not it sounds reasonable or not, the law is the law. And it's there for a reason. So uh, just be a a word of caution, though. We know that uh, a person can go and buy a a PRDP on the Internet. There's people that make this service available for a couple of grand without you going through the physical components. And remember, part of what's supposed to happen, there's a health check to get a PRDP. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there's a criminal record check, et cetera. And then it goes to the police and then you get your clearance and you can run that. So some people look at it and they say, oh, why don't I just pay that money and then uh, I don't go through all that trouble. Sure. Morally, I think you're culpable. Sure. Would I be happy to ride with you if you were doing that? Clearly not. And if we, we consider the, the, the possible challenges with regard to insurance, uh, it's a minefield that we don't want to open up by any perceived real or imagined of, of breach of the law or right. inconvenience in other people. And then the last thing, if I can just mention over Please. there, you know what, uh, we, one of the challenges that we've seen more and more people because of tight finances, interest rates going up, some of the things they may be inclined to neglect is servicing and maintaining their car. Mm-hmm. So now mm-hmm. when I get into a vehicle with you and I choose to carpool with you, um, what are the tire conditions like? You know, there's a certain legal limit that uh, that you can wear a tire to, and then there's the recommended. They've got treadwear indicators on the tires. So if I was going to get into somebody's car, I want to make sure that car is going to get me there safely. You know, with the rainstorm, think about the Cape at the moment, the Western Cape. If you're riding a, in a vehicle with slick tires, the likelihood of you being involved in a crash, accident, or collision is significantly greater. So what's the point of you saving money and you'll end up in a crash? And then, of course, just think about windscreen wipers. And I know up in Gauteng we don't get much winter rains, but the uh, wiper blades are now they've cracked, etc., I don't want to be riding in a car where um, the, the driver is battling to look through the windscreen, etc., because those are risks that I that I don't am, and am not happy to engage with. And then, of course, also, if I were driving you, for example, because I'm the responsible person, you will wear your seatbelts, all right? You sure. don't have a choice. Of course. Because if there's a, an infringement, it gets directed at me. Now, some people feel that, no, I can't wear a seatbelt. It's not for me. And besides which, if the car goes into a, a river, etc., I will battle to get out, all of which is spurious nonsense, you know, right. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. But so if you are going to be riding with another person, you might be prepared to accept that they will have conditions. However, take that one step further. I'm happy I put my seatbelt on the back, but the driver doesn't wear a seatbelt. Now, the the likelihood of that driver, something happening in the, in the event of a collision, is him losing his control of the vehicle or something like that. So uh, there are some moral issues. There's the insurance issues, and then there's legal issues that we just need to talk through. And if anybody wants to, yes, you know, they're happy to consult with them, and they give a, we'll give them some guidelines and say, this is what you should look for, et cetera, et cetera. Indeed, the bottom line, as you say, is consult and uh, investigate and look into closely just to make sure that you're fully covered if you're conducting such a activity and business. Speaking of which, uh, Eugene, on a business perspective, um, any tax implications one should be mindful of regarding this? You, Michael, you're asking me a challenge now. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on a, me, on a spot, but of course now this is an income. Should, should declare those earnings. <laughs> 
Um, legally, yes, you must. Uh, but I'm pretty certain if it's a 200 rand and a 50 rand note that's handed over to somebody, okay. I don't see them declaring that over there. No, sure. So it's just that. <laughs> look, as, as we've legally, gone along with the discussion, we, uh, we, we're wanting to cover all bases regarding the situation. Yeah, that's what we've been doing. So just to, you know, for the benefit of the listener, you know, in anticipation of any questions they might have, uh, I didn't mean to put anyone on the spot, Eugene, <laughs> so, you know, regarding the question, but just to, we're just looking into anything that one needs yeah. to be really mindful of if you're going to engage in yeah. such an activity. Sure. Depending on the, your threshold income where you've got to fully in certain details, mm. it may be that you're below the threshold and therefore you wouldn't have to be concerned about it. Sure. Um, and quite honestly, I don't know that the taxman is really <laughs> going to worry about you over there. Okay. Uh, there's far bigger fish to fry in the ocean, although sometimes uh, we wonder uh, whether they're successful, the, the, but that's a separate issue. Right. The bigger fish are certainly a different uh, topic to discuss at another time, Eugene. Uh, we're going to have to leave it there. Eugene, thanks so much for taking the time to that's join us this afternoon just to give us some background as to this conversation pooling concept and idea which people are now are embarking on just to at least make a few pennies here and there and for others just to make life a little easier on them. Eugene Herbert, Chief Executive of Master Drive.